0: what I want to speak to you this morning is about the heart, is the heart issues. Now, I've spoken a lot about different, the different topics on the topic of hearts, but this morning, I just felt the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about the heart issues. Now, um, let me just start off with this. Out of the 12 disciples that Jesus had, he had one of them called Judas Iscariot, and he betrayed Jesus. Now, you just want, I just want you to think about it. Just put yourself from the beginning of the story and just observe. Judas did not start off planning to betray Jesus. You have to believe that. Judas didn't start start off planning to be a bad dude. Now, of course, because the scripture needs to be fulfilled, somebody has to betray Jesus. I understand that. But uh, Judas did not start off to want to betray Jesus. In fact, he was sincere. He left all that he had to follow Jesus. And he was so trustworthy to the point that he was the treasurer or he was, he was the person who is in charge of all the money that would be coming into the ministry. Jesus trusted him. Now, you may say, you know, Jesus knew that he was going to betray him. That's true. And Jesus, in his grace, still gave him the opportunity. And what happened between the first day he decided to follow Jesus? After listening to him speaking, after hearing him talking and seeing all the signs of miracles, so he started saying, "Okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to take this step to follow Jesus." And as the days go by, something started to change. Now, watch this. He started to become cynical. He is seeing all that John the Beloved was seeing. The one who loved Jesus so much. And Peter and Thomas and all the other disciples. He was seeing everything the disciples were seeing. Why is it that all the other disciples eventually would give their heart and their life to the Lord for the gospel? In fact, being martyred. History, church tradition would tell us that all of them were martyred. Why is it that out of the 12 seeing the same miracles seeing the same uh, listening to the same message seeing the signs and wonders seeing people responding to the miracles why is it that st- the same message same miracles same environment would produce a different result I have seen people coming to church on Sunday morning, new believers, you know. They got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, got touched by the Lord. And then they would be, you know, having their hands raised. And, you know, sometimes you see them, just God just met them and they would have tears streaming down their eyes, you know. And they said, they would tell you that they have met God, they have an encounter with God. And yet in the same service, same building, same music, same worship song. There will be some that just would feel nothing. And then they will have this thought in oh, just the Holy Spirit is not here, you know, look at, look at what they're doing, you know, it's so dark here, you know, and, and it's all this fancy lights and the smoke or whatever, you know. Why is that? Is it the music? Is it the preaching? And you know, as a pastor, I stand up here, I, I could see everybody, you know. Well, not really because the light's kind of in my eyes, but you know what I mean. Like I, I could sometimes see the expressions in the people's face. I'll, I'll preach the word and, and sometimes I would see God is really working in somebody's life and they would they would sit there and they would just, they would, you could see that the Holy Spirit is actually talking to them. I could be actually preaching here, but the Holy Spirit actually speaking to them through the words. And they're being touched. And yet... The very in the very same place with the same preacher there will be some that will just sit there and just thought to themselves what a waste of time I'm wasting my time here you know I just I just feel, don't feel anything I'm not receiving anything from this place why is that? I will submit to you this morning ladies and gentlemen is the issues of The heart is the issue. It's right here. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I have two versions up there so that you can understand exactly what it is I'm trying to say. The word of God says that guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else above whatever priorities that you may have, above all the interests that you may have, above all the, all the goals that you may have, all the desires that you may have, above that, above all the relationships that you have, above your family, above your best friends, above, above your best church, you know. Guard your heart, protect it with all that you have. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. Now, that translation is to keep your heart with all vigilance. Keep your heart as if you are in a war, as if you know you're in in a neighborhood that you can get robbed easily. You know, some neighborhoods, you know, you go to, thank God, I don't think we have any of those in this country, praise God. But, you know, you go to New York, you know, in some of the areas. I hope you're not from New York. If you are, please forgive me. New York, New York, you know, not, not New York. I know it's one person at least from New York, so I got to keep my mind shut. But, you know, uh, New York, New York, you know, you, you know, there are some neighborhoods that you have to keep five locks, you know, five locks just to make sure nobody comes in. I mean people if they really want to come in, you can have 20,000 logs, they're still going to come in from the windows, different places, right? If you watch enough movies, you see it. You know, God you, with all vigilance, all the vigilance, all the efforts that you have, all the strength and energy, you need to watch out. Watch out, because why? Because it's, it flows the springs of life. Because if you don't guard it, watch this. One reason why the Bible says we need to guard it, we need to be vigilant, is because things will come into your heart that is so subtle that sometimes they come in the guise of spirituality, of correction, or whatever. Just come in the guise of many things. And before you know it, something is going on in there. Back to Judas. Same Jesus he decided to follow. Same Jesus that he had left everything to follow. Same Jesus that he had fell in love with. Had fallen in love with. And it's the same Jesus became cynical. You remember one time there was this woman. Came with the alabaster jar. She broke it. She was worshipping God. That same Jesus now, he's getting very cynical when people are worshiping God. Why are they crying anyways? Why give so much money? Why don't just give it to the poor? You know, John had a commentary saying, no, he wasn't really actually interested in the poor. It's just a guys because he was greedy. He wants to take the money. What happened? What happened to from a person who was who completely sold out for God? person that was selling out the passion of his life, the call of his life, the lover of his soul? Something happened. Don't kid yourself. You could be in church, be in the presence of Jesus 24 /7, as Judas was. Your, God, your heart can steal get attacked so subtly that if you don't guard it, you're going to find yourself losing what is the most precious thing. You know, when we were youth, as a youth pastor, we used the scriptures to tell, um, especially girls, guard your heart. Don't give it away. It's a treasure. Don't fall in love so easily because once you do, bye-bye. I mean the guy could be like you know god bless him right you know just just guard your heart just don't, don't let the love just don't, just don't don't let it go just 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 treasure it so much because I tell you if you've been in love before you do anything you make stupid decisions sorry can I can I use that word they say love is stupid right it's true You make decision that you, when you get older, you go, what? What possessed me? Why did I do that? You know what happened? You lost your heart. You lost your heart. We used to say that to young people. But I want to tell you this, the older I get, and I'm not old, I'm just older. The older I get, the more I realize that, especially even for older people. I'm going to show you in the scripture, I'm going to show you. Even for older people, it's so easy for us to lose the tenderness of our heart, to lose the purity of our heart. Guard your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Guard your heart above all else. Do you know... That even if you have the right information, a lot of times we say, you know, I cannot make a decision unless I have the right information. I need the right information to make the right decision. But do you know that even with the right information, we can still make the wrong decision? Why? Right here. We know, we know, we know, we know we shouldn't, but we lost this. Right information doesn't, you know, we, we spoke about the other day, you know, in the beginning of the year about how to change your mind. You know, build strongholds, knock down old strongholds, all the strongholds that's not right. Even if you know you have the right information. And so that now you know that okay, the reason I'm behaving and acting this way is because there's strongholds in my mind, there's thinking, then conditioning in my mind that is not right. So I have to recondition, reprogram it. You know what to do, but you wouldn't do them anyway. It's because this is not there. How do you know that we need to love the Lord, and yet, oh, you know, we need to we need to study the Word of God, we need to pray, and yet, it's here. But you know, if the heart is actually fully all in, you won't make any excuses anymore. You just go all in. You could have all the right information. It's like diet or exercise, the same thing. We all know that we need to exercise. We all know that we need to have good diet. We all know that. But it's here. You can have all the right information. It doesn't mean anything. Because you will not make the decision. You don't make the decision because your heart is not there. We can still make wrong choices. Now there are reasons why that is the case. When you don't guard your heart, your heart could potentially become hardened. Do you know what a symptom of a hardened heart is? Do you know what a symptom of heart and heart is? A hardened heart tends to be very cynical about everything. You can say whatever. They always have doubts. They're always suspicious. They always have this lens in front of them that however good thing, whatever you say, that lens is there and they will not be able to receive it. You could love them. And they would be like, Why? You want to do good to them? They go, What do you want? I remember quite some time ago, we have this amazing, absolutely super worship leader that was in our midst, and she was just amazing, and she still is. But there were some heart issues that she was dealing with. And so when I asked her, I said, would you want to lead worship? Because you have such a gift. See, I was much younger, so I I always go for the gift. When I get older, you don't do that anymore, right? You go for the character. You go for, you know. But when I was younger, she said, oh, so so gifted, so amazing. And then this was her response. Why? Why? Thinking to myself, wait a minute, I thought you love worship, I thought you love word-leaning worship. What, what do you mean? She's like, What well, why do you want to do that? You, you, what, well, why? You you're trying to get out of something? Or oh, is somebody's leaving? Is that why you pick me? You know, she started to have all the questions. I was absolutely taken aback. I thought, you know, when you are absolutely passionate about your calling, when somebody gives you an opportunity, you'll jump on it. It's like, oh, oh, absolutely, I would do it she said, why? And I was absolutely just dumbfounded. You become cynical. You walk into a church. You see a preacher like me preaching. And instead of hearing whatever the preacher is saying, you treat it with great suspicion. I'll tell you this. I have seen believe new believers born again, spirit filled. They were so excited about the gospel, so excited about the word of God initially, and they love God and, and you could see them, they're serving God, and they're really on fire for God. And then over time the heart got hardened. And it becomes cynical. How did the heart become hardened? It's because it has been broken. They have been betrayal. Many of us have been betrayed. I'll tell you this. Not one person sitting in this room had never been betrayed before. If you say you haven't, you may not even know somebody had betrayed you. <laughs> Open your eyes. The sense of betrayal comes especially when you have high expectation. So the higher the expectation you have... The greater the sense of betrayal you feel when the expectation is not met. And especially in church, you see, there's a lot of hurt sometimes you find in church. As people, a lot of people don't want to be part of a church because they say, you know, I get hurt. The reason they get hurt is because they have such a high expectation. And because the expectation is not met, they got hurt. Hurt by their brothers and sisters. Hurt by their pastor, you know. They got hurt. They felt betrayed. And because they've been betrayed, their heart is broken. And you betrayed a couple of times, you started to become hardened. And when you become hardened, you become cynical. Jesus could be standing in front of you. You won't see it. You won't see him. There'd be miracles happening all over the place. And you would think, oh, they're just fake. People will get saved. And you say, ah, oh, whatever. The heart become hardened. Because you've been betrayed. Another reason why our heart is hardened is because of pride. Now, be watchful watch of this. I don't want to judge you. This is not meant to judge you. I just had a revelation about that just the other day. One reason why our heart is hardened is because there's such a spiritual pride or pride in us. And I'll tell you why we all have pride. Not just, not just me, you also, Okay. We all have pride. i tell you why. The reason we have pride is actually to protect ourselves. Now, the Word of God says that God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Remember that. And the Word of God says that downfall usually comes after pride. Pride usually precedes downfall. But you know, we have often been told we shouldn't be proud. And we don't understand why we have that pride. And the reason is because I just had this revelation this week. It's because of insecurity. We feel unsafe. We feel insecure. So we need to put up something. And or... We need to put other people down to be lower than us so that we can feel we are more significant. Friends, I want to tell you, the last song we sang just now if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you from that song that says that you are a child of God, you should believe what he says about you. If you absolutely believe and convince, it's really easy to deal with the pride issue. We have pride because we have been looked down upon in the past. We have pride because we have been, we've been, we've been mocked in the past, whether it's by our family members or even the devil speaking to our ears. And so we need to put up a front to protect ourselves. In our mind, we need to protect ourselves. And so we need to protect and defend what we have, we think we have. And so in our mind, we cannot possibly believe other people can be better than us. Otherwise, it will conform to the narrative that had hurt us the narrative of mocking, the narrative of being despised. And so we have this mechanism built in us. I I don't want, I'm better than you. And we learned yesterday that the worship team, you know, not to have pride and and that our identity ought ought to be found in Christ. What a powerful statement. You know, Paul, the apostle said that in Christ Jesus, there's neither Jews or Gentile, female or male. And the reason he said it is because he said your identity needs to be found not in the label that had been given you. You are such and such. You, are, you know, in the old days, if you're Jewish, you know, and, and, and you, you have the right to despise the non-Jews because the Word of God says you can't eat with non-Jews. You can't partake with them. You can go into their house. And then you can't associated with them. And, and so they, they really despise everybody but themselves. But when Jesus came, he, and, and if you're male, you know, you especially if Jewish, you're male, it's like goodness to you, you know. Uh, uh, some of you probably heard this prayer by Jewish people thank God I'm a Jew and I'm not a female, you know. So that's the prayer. It's like, oh, thank God I'm the female. You know, that's, you know. So, but, but Paul came in and destroyed that concept. Is that your identity is not your label that had been given to you? Your identity is is not the position you have. Your identity is not the ranking you have. Your identity is not in your talents, your gifts, etc. Your identity must be found only in one thing, Christ Jesus. If you can't find it and you try to substitute it, you get hurt all the time. You will try to protect yourself and you will have... But friends, may I encourage you. you it's, I know it's not easy. You need to calm yourself down first. You see, when you base your identity on anything that can be broken, anything that be, can, can be taken away from you, anything that can be hurt by others, then you set yourself up to be vulnerable. But watch this. If your identity is Someone that had all the victory is now seated at the right hand of the Father. No devil, nothing can shake him. If that identity is in him, you are on a very firm ground. And if that's the case, you don't need to protect anything, not your reputation, not your labels, not your ranking, not whatever you think that you need to protect. And you'll be in rest, and you'll be in security, you'll be totally secure, and you don't need to despise people anymore because you know that you're super loved, you're super cherished, You know, one reason why I work so hard to want to make sure my children do not feel small, uh, do not need to have the feeling of having need to have pride uh, is because I, I, I want them to walk around knowing that they don't need to protect anything. And that whatever they're phasing out in the world, they should know two things. One is the Father in heaven is crazy about them. And two is that their Father on earth is crazy about them too. And so I always encourage them, tell them. And so they have nothing to put up with. They don't, they didn't, they're didn't they in the world. You know, I remember when I was at Matthew age, I have a lot of facade. I just put up a lot of facade. Just, just, you know, just, just want people to look at me different from what I look at myself when I go home from church. I know what it's like at home. I know about my struggle, my weaknesses, and then it didn't help, you know. In some of the older culture, they they really shame their own children, you know. You useless! What? Look at your cousin! You know, always look at your cousin. Look at your sister. Look at your cousin. You know, they're more successful than you. What's wrong with you? And you know, I just, I just knew inside I was broken. So I need to put up a front. I need to feel. Proud. But if I can ensure that my children, and I believe this morning the Father wants to ensure this, if you know how much God loves you, if you have the revelation, if you want to pursue revelation, pursue this revelation, how much God has loved you and that he gave himself in a form of man to die for you. He did not reserve anything, preserve, he did not hold anything back so that he can get to you. If you could just know how much he thinks the world of you, if you knew just how much he has so much hope in you, friends, you would not need to put up anything. You can finally, watch this, rest. Take it easy. Let your hair down. Walk around having your hair down. Don't worry about what people think anymore. Just imagine a life that you do not ever need to worry about what people think of you, especially inside a church. Come on! When you know how much God loves you. Another reason why a heart it's hardened, it's because of familiarity. We always have this saying, seen it, done it, and got a t shirt for it. So, you know, you've been sitting in the church for 30 years, listening to sermon for 30 years. It is very difficult sometimes not to be hardened. You've been a Christian for 30 years, you've seen all the act, you've seen it all. You've seen people come in all excited about Jesus and then three years later they would leave. You've seen them all excited about God and five years later they would leave their faith. You've seen people get healed and then they got sick again. You've seen the whole shows millions of times. And you know preachers, right? You know, you, pre- you hear so many sermons. You know, this hard sermon, some of you have heard it a million times. You have. So it's hard. I'll tell you familiarity often causes are heart to be hardened. Oh, we know it. If you've been to where I've been to. If you've been around as long as I've been around. You could hear them say this. They may not utter it, but you could hear it. In the ears. There was a pastor that I really admire, and he actually had such a great impact upon my life. He was sharing with me one time when, when uh, I was preaching, and, and um, I was just started preaching, and, and he was k- kind of mentoring me. I, I started preaching, and, and I, I looked down, and I know I wasn't doing a great job, but you know, he was so attentive. And because he was so attentive, It gives me such great comfort to keep preaching. You see, for preacher, we we look at the reaction from the congregation. If people sleep in in your sermon, you get discouraged. You know? If people look at the phone all the time, you know. Why? You know, I'm here, hello. We get discouraged. Especially young preacher, we get so discouraged. See, I call myself young preacher. We get so discouraged when we preach and you know we preach our heart out and people are like Come on man, finish already. It's very discouraging. And so I was looking at this pastor, he was, just, he was just, his eyes was just fixed on me. I know he heard the sermon that I preached before many times, and yet he, his eyes fixed on me. So after the service, you know, everybody left. I went to his house with his wife. They usually treat me for dinner or whatever. And so I, I just asked, you know, like, what, what, what do you think? He said, it was great. The Lord spoke to me. I was like, what? Really? The Lord can really speak to you through my sermon? That's really amazing. I was at all. This is what he said to me. He said, I want you to know that when you get to my age, and he was 10 years older than me at the time, and oh, no, 15 years, maybe even longer. When you get to my age, one of the things that you have to remember is to keep your heart tender. He said, I learned it from my mentor in Bible school. And my mentor... He said, when, when I, when my mentor, okay, let's do it again. He said, you know, when I was um, in Bible school, my mentor, listening to my first sermon, she was sitting in front on the first row. And I was preaching my heart out and looking my notes, not too sure about myself. And, and he said, I'm sure I've spoken many things that were wrong. And, and, she, and he looked up and he saw his mentor. She was sitting right there. And he said, tears was flowing down her eyes. And he was thinking to himself, why would anything make any sense to such a veteran I have heard sermon a million times, especially if you're training young preachers to preach, you've heard so many preaching that is so boring. I don't know if you heard young preachers preach before, man, they are boring, right? And he said, I learned from her. And I'm teaching you, never let your heart be hardened with familiarity. Keep your heart tender. Keep your heart soft. That's when God can speak to you. So over the years, I always would catch myself after a while. I would need to go to another conference or listen to more fantastic preaching. And there's nothing wrong with that because my desire is I want more. But I will remember him said this, and I would just pause myself and say, Father, has my heart been hardened? Come and soften my heart so that you can speak to me. Another reason why our heart is hardened is because it's been choked by the cares of the world. We are tired, we are exhausted. I'm not here to judge you or cause you to feel worse. I'm here to encourage you. We all are tired. We all are exhausted. Your Father in heaven, he knows that, and he loves you. Another reason why a heart is hardened is because it's been corrupted. When your heart is corrupted, you interpret facts differently. You have problems with people's motivation. You question everybody's motivation. You know, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a child. One reason why I love children is, is because they, they're so pure, they don't question you. Like when my kids were growing up, they believe everything I tell them. I would feel like a king, you know, when they were growing up. They just believe everything. You know, one time, you know, this is a very popular trick, right? How do so, you see this? You, you, you have your finger, you pull your finger. I remember I um. I did this to uh, Kristen and Matthew, you know. They were sitting there right in front of me, you know, with their old little little big bright eyes looking at me, you know. I said, I want to show you a trick. Okay, okay, okay. Watch this, okay. Go. Ah! They go, whoa, what happened, right? They're so pure. Sure. That's why we need to protect children. And this in this church, I tell you, children ministry is one of the most important, costly ministry for this church. We, we want to spare no expense. And so we, we get every person who's involved in youth and children ministry, you better get police background check. You know, we need to check you out before you can serve. You know, if you do camera, we don't need police check, right? But if you close to the church, they're so innocent, so and we have heard many stories of how they have being robbed of the innocent. Oh, I pray in this house. Oh, Father, we pray for the blood of Jesus over our young ones. Whether they're here or they're out in, outside in school, please protect them. Protect them, protect them, protect them. Oh, the devil wants to rob their innocence away. And that's why so many young people are so cynical this day because their innocence has been robbed. It's the same thing as believers. I pray that God will renew your heart. To be tender and after that you protect it so that the enemy cannot come in and rob your innocence away and that you will always be tender like a child and you would cry in a sermon that it's being spoken by a child because the holy spirit can speak to you from whomever to you from whenever wherever and from whomever that the holy spirit can speak to you and touch your lives i tell you It's so good to be innocent. One reason why we're corrupt is because of traditions. Traditions of men. Many of us come from traditions that we have prejudice of all kinds. Prejudice about doctrine. Prejudice about race and ideas. We have prejudice. I'll tell you, Christians have a lot of prejudice. Prejudice. We, we have antennas everywhere. We have, you know, we just, we just really watchful for what, you know, we're very prejudiced. Okay, Matthew, you are just jumping ahead of me. Go back. It's getting impatient up there. Prejudice. I want to ask you to be open minded. In this church, we always speak about being open minded. Don't have prejudice of anything, be open minded. I heard a really famous politician say something and, and really changed my thinking, changed my heart. He said, if you want to learn something, go and speak to someone that disagree with you the most. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just be echo chamber, talking to each other. Same old thing, can never learn any new thing. If, that's, if people behave that way, if everybody in the world behaved that way, we still believe the earth is flat today. Everybody has to have an open mind to lead us to where we're at. Today I was talking to my wife. We always like to talk about statistics. And by the way, statistics is really bad. Like, don't believe in all the statistics anyways. And I heard this week that 83% of the statistics are made up. So there goes statistics for you, right? That's right. And there's a probability that I'm making things up right now. <laughs> Talking about statistics, you know. But I was talking to my wife. We were we were talking about, I kept, I guess, well, one of our children's assignment. And and so we were debating about some of the signs, um, whatnot, and so forth. And she said, oh, that's what we learned. I said, you know, what you have in terms of information at the stage, which was 100 years ago. No, she's not like, oh, I'm just joking. But what you learned quite a number of years ago, the information was limited. They have since made more discoveries about what we've learned about this certain thing. Look at the periodic table, right? When they, we were young, our periodic table was much smaller. This day, it's like, Whoa, so big. And all my kids have to memorize all of them. It's like, oh, my goodness. Even chemical compounds have increased in numbers, you know. But if you don't have an open mind, you have a closed mind, you say, okay, I learned this from high school. It ought to be the truth. And you have prejudice to all the new information. You'll never grow. Same as doctrine. Same as, same as our belief system. That's why the Word of God says that we need to be transformed from glory to glory. You have the Holy Spirit in you, Jesus said that. The Father will send the Holy Spirit. In that those, In those days, you will need no other teachers to teach you, but the Holy Spirit will teach you. But He can teach you. If you're not open minded, He can't teach you. A lot of people are so afraid of learning new things because they're so afraid that they will be corrupted in their mind. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Nobody can corrupt your mind if the Holy Spirit lives inside you. I'm preaching now. Glory to God, Shaka. (laughs) A lot of us are so worried. I used to be like that. I don't want to listen to this preacher or that preacher. I don't want to be corrupted in my thinking. That's what I was told, that's how I was taught. But if you have the Holy Spirit in you and you're familiar with the Word of God, what do you have to be afraid of? Fear is what prevented us from growing. And our heart is hardened because fear has been instilled in us to reject anything and everything that we are not familiar with. I want to encourage you this morning to soften your heart, to let the Holy Spirit teach you again, even from the simplest of truth, that you will have revelation that you never had before. The other day my mom was telling me, the other day means like 10 years ago, my mom was telling me, she's like, I can't believe I just saw so many revelations in the genealogy of Jesus. She went to Bible school, pastor for 40 years. She just has new revelation about genealogy of Jesus. Have an open heart. Otherwise, you think the genealogy is super unnecessary. I know, when I, when I was young, I read the genealogy, I was like, why God? This is so boring. Why? Yeah. Another thing that hardens our heart is gossip. You let people tell you things, and now set the tones of your heart. And that's why I don't want to gossip. I want to say good things about people. Always say good things about people. You have nothing good to say, don't. Come on, if you have nothing good to say, don't. Don't say it. Be quiet. Gossip always set us on a course of prejudice. Reject those. When you have a hardened heart, you're close to hearing from God. I'm going to speed right here. You know, I see my time. I'm running out of time. Making wrong decisions always, cynical, judgmental, suspicious of even those who love you. Not open to correction and advice. Having all this know it all. You know, the Word of God prophet says a fool thinks he's wiser than the wisest, seven wisest men. A fool would think he's always wiser than the seven wisest men, or something like that, because their heart is hardened, not open to correction and advice. You know the word of God said that the multitude of counsel brings protection. That's why it's a good idea to always ask question and advice from different people, even to the doctors. I mean, no offense to some of the doctors in this house. Listen, man, you need to have a second opinion. You do. The people who have the hardened hearts always think it's their surrounding that is the problem. And so they look to change the surrounding and they find out nothing has changed. What needs to change is inside here. Looking for ways to escape. You know the Word of God says this. I'm going to preface this so you don't think I'm preaching false doctrine. The Word of God says that he, I'm going to talk about end time right now. He that had the hope of the second coming of Christ, does what? Purifies himself. Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians says that if our faith and our hope is only for this lifetime, we are most miserable of all men. Our faith is not about here. Our faith is about afterlife, after when Christ comes back or when we go there. That's how, that's the, that's the gem of our faith. Yes, our faith does help us in this lifetime to succeed, to have victory and to walk in the fullness, in the abundance and the zoe of God. We preach about that all the time. But if that's the only thing that matters in our faith, then we are most miserable of all. But I want to tell you this, I'm 51 years old. Now you know my age. I've been in church all my life, literally. I was born in a preacher's home. And I've seen that every 10, 12 years, there is a revival of a talk of second coming. And... It's very exciting. You know, actually, well, I remember when, when I got saved um, in around 10, 10 years old, there was this new movie that just come, came out in the 70s, you know, Thief in the Night, Risen Thunder, and The Year of the Beast. Some of you, don't date yourself, don't age, don't, never mind, <laughs> right? We all know about those movies. It's very exciting. And, you know, I would lose sleep, have nightmare that I missed the rapture. It was always very exciting. And drove me to my knees. i pray every day, God, please, I don't want to miss it. I wake up in the middle of the night. I don't see my mom. I got fearful. I think I missed it. (laughs) Mom is the most spiritual, right? So you look to him. I don't look at my sister. Never mind. Just (laughs) just joking around. Where's mom? She's in her room. Oh, no. What happened? But I tell you, though, I do see a lot of believers, not all, have this escapism mentality. They're not doing well on earth they're trying to escape and they think, keep talking about the second coming and uh, the the dooms and glooms of the end days it's really interesting because growing up um, we I am a I still believe in pre-trib pre-tribulation I'm a pre-tribulation crowd and if, you, you can be a mid tribulation and if you don't know what that is don't worry about it you know, so I believe we don't have to go through any tribulation. So I having lunch with this missionary from China, you, some of you know who he is, you know? Pastor Dennis Belcom, right here, I mentioned his name. He said, you people in the West, you just talking about tribulation. You don't know we've been in tribulation for the past 40 years. We were being tortured. We were being, you know, our church is burned down. And he he's been in prison for quite a number of times being a missionary. One time they had to hide him in a bunch of haze, you know, and, um, and so, because, you know, they knew the communists were coming, and, and I, I know this is broadcast, it's pretty dangerous, but anyways, that's right, God protect you, hallelujah, anyways, so it was, and they, so the, the Christians hit him in a haze, like a bunch of haze, behind some, some, some horse or whatever, and so that horse was being stopped by the communist official. And so, you know, they, in, they have in, 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 in some country and in the old days, they, they have a, a, a rifle. And with the rifle at the at tip of the rifle, there is a, there's a, a blade, right? Just in case you run out of bullets, you can, you can do hand-to-hand combat and poke each other, right? So anyways, so the, so the communist officials saw the haze. They didn't check. So what they do is they poke the, the rifles into the haze just to make sure nothing is in there, right? He said the hand of God was so real at the time because they miss every single, they had just poked that haze like dozens and dozens of times in different places. He was not touched at all. So he's telling me, you people, you pre-trip people, you don't know we have been in tribulation for 40 years. What are you talking about? But I want to tell you this. I do believe in the second coming. I do hope for it. And my hope in my faith is not for this lifetime alone, but for my next life. I preach on it. I talk about it. I think about it all the time. But I want to tell you this. I'm not trying to escape here because I fail here to try to go to heaven. I want to go out with a big bang. People get saved, so get saved, people get healed, people being brought into the kingdom of God. I want to go out in a big bang. So, you know, I, I, I'm not saying all, but I've seen many of the people that have counsel and men, the many of them that are so focused on the end time. I see that they, they, just, they just try to figure out what's going on here. I want to encourage you. Have a tender heart. Soften your heart. Let the Lord speak to you. If he thinks that you are done here, he would have taken you home. You don't even have to speculate it. In the meantime, do well and be a useful vessel on this planet while you're here. And because he has an amazing, amazing calling upon each and every one of you. And he wants to use you for his glory, to manifest his glory. Sure, you have persecution. There lies, therein lies our faith is that you will see great victory, but also great persecution. But don't try to run away from it. Face it with the faith of God that God has given you. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at this, Ephesians chapter four, thirty-two. Go ahead, Matthew. Be kind to one another. And what? Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Now watch this. I want to show you the only way the Holy Spirit can work in your heart is in Ezekiel. Check this out. God says, I will, go ahead, next one. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. I'll remove from you the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit cannot do anything in your heart if it is hardened? You can go to all the conferences you want listen to all the preaching you want and go to all the fantastic worship seminar and worship conference. It will do nothing to you unless your heart is softened. And I want to encourage you this morning as Holy Spirit, you cry out to God. You don't have to do it in front of people. You can go home when you get home. You know, you cry out to God, Lord, I just need your Holy Spirit to fill me, not only fill me, but oh, tenderize my heart. My heart of stone. Tenderize my heart. Take away the hardened heart. In Matthew 13, 23. Jesus had this parable. He said, oh, was sown in a good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it and indeed bears fruit and use. In one case, a hundredfold, another 60, another 30. In the parallel uh, scriptures in Luke chapter 2, don't turn to it, Luke 8, 12 says that the soil of your heart, the soil is your heart. God can give you. It's a good word of the seed of the good seed of the word of God. But if the soil of your the the soil in your heart is hardened, the seed will not produce anything. There are people that will walk into the church and walk out of the church seeing incredible fruits in their life, great testimony, great testimony of great increase and great victory in their life. And yet the same people that would hear the same sermon week after week see nothing in their lives being produced. Why is that right here? I ask the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts, especially some of us older ones. I do know that I get cynical once a while, <laughs> more than once a while. Because of all the familiarity I have, I, because of all the, all the betrayal I've experienced, disappointment, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, you believe in God for certain things, and after a while, nothing happened. You get all disappointed. Your heart becomes hardened. I want to show you the last scripture, then we'll close. Worship team, please come. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. Not hard and hard. Not corrupted heart. But the pure in heart. Do you want to see God? Some of us come to church. We actually sincerely want to have an encounter with God. And we thought having that encounter, we need a certain type of preaching and certain type of music. And without that, we can't see God. Friends, let me tell you, yes, it's important. We have good music and good preaching and, and we do everything to be faithful to that. But friends, may I encourage you, look here. I hope I'm not judging. I, don't, I hope you're not feel like you're being judged because that's not what we're all about. God loves this, your heart. He loves it so much. That's why he wants you to guard it with all vigilance. Keep it with all vigilance. Be selfish with your heart. Don't give it away so freely. So ideas, doctrines, cynicism, whatnot. Guard your heart every eyes close, every head bow.